Welcome everybody. For those of you that just listened to our 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 couple of worship songs, you're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches in Palm Beach, Florida. So uh, tune in next week at 10 a.m. Go onto our website, freedomchurchpb.org. You can see everything about us and even give online. And I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. So um, we thank you for tuning in. We're going to go, we're going to have some communion now. So as I mentioned earlier, um, if you could get yourself a piece of cracker or a little uh, wedge of bread and, and some uh, juice, and we'll be glad to, uh, you can take communion with us. This is uh, an ordinance that the Lord established for the church, and it's uh, for our remembering Him. So as the communion is being passed out here, I want to uh, um, read from a passage in Luke. It's probably a rare, rare piece that somebody would, would read before communion, but it has to do with communion, but not the full aspect of it. This is the, the uh, two disciples that were walking on the road to Emmaus, and, um, and they, uh, they encountered the Lord Jesus, and they had no idea who it was. They were going from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a trip of about seven miles, and um, they they encountered this man walking on the road, and Jesus had, had to, I guess, you know, caused their eyes not to see as to who he was, and they were brokenhearted, and, and, um, and Jesus is saying, why are you so sad? What's going on? And, he, and then they answered, you know, something like this. Are you the only one in Jerusalem that don't know what went on? Jesus of Nazareth was crucified. He was saying, you know, what things? So he was trying to draw out from them, you know, what was going on. And then as we read this passage, and I'll use it in the communion for you, but we're going to start at Luke chapter 24, verse 28. And remember, the two headed to Emmaus. One of them was Cleopas. We don't know the other disciple. And they approached the village where they were going, Emmaus. And he acted, Jesus acted as he would not go any further. Stay with us, for it is getting late towards evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And when they had reclined at the table with him, he took the bread and blessed it, and the breaking and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, which he was explaining as he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem saying, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Listen, Jesus was trying to draw out of them what they were, what they were experiencing. They didn't understand the scriptures that Jesus said he had to go through torturing and suffering and be crucified and buried and he will rise up the third day. They didn't understand it. But right here, when he revealed himself, can you imagine? He, he took the bread. They were probably there many times when, when Jesus took the bread. And in the same way, you know, he would do the same thing. And all of a sudden, you know, their eyes are open. And they say, it's Jesus. 
well, you know, and then he just disappeared right before their eyes. And they said, don't, wasn't our hearts burning within us as he spoke to us? That's what I'm praying right now as we take the communion cup and that your hearts would burn for who Jesus is. You know, not just, this isn't just some normal Sunday. This is an everyday Sunday. Everyday Sunday for a Christian. Your heart should be burning within you as you read the scriptures, if you even pick them up at all. You need to read the scriptures. Your heart needs to burn within you, and you need to have that revelatory knowledge. This is Jesus before, before these two men. So, in that night, the Passover night, Jesus took the bread, and he broke it, and he passed it out to all his disciples, and he said, take and eat, eat for this is my body which is broken for you. May we remember, you know, Jesus didn't do this because it was some, some uh, just for kicks. This was horrid torture, the worst of mankind could ever devise. And he had to do it for us. He had to take every last drop, as the scriptures say, every last dreg of God's wrath against sin so that you and I could be saved. So when we eat this bread right here, right now, the Lord, where the Lord tells us to remember him. And I want to remind you that you eat this bread every day. We know in America, we say there's three meal times a day. You should be remembering him at morning, at noon, at evening, and even in all the snacks that you have all day long. As you take a bite from an apple or, or a piece of fruit or a banana or a sandwich, you remember his death because his body was broken for you. So let's partake together. And that same night at the Passover dinner, Jesus took the cup of wine. He didn't even get that far with these disciples. They recognized him immediately when he broke the bread. It's going to be like kind of Mary. She's at the tomb. And she's supposing that this guy behind her talking you know, she supposed him to be the gardener. And she did not recognize him until he said, Mary. And she recognized his voice. I want you to recognize his voice today. This is his precious blood that was shed for you. The precious and holy blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And as we partake of this, every day you drink well, a cup of water, a cup of coffee, a, an orange juice, a tomato juice, a, a, a soda. The Lord didn't, he did this on purpose so that you would remember him every day, three times a day, 24-7, every waking moment. Because this was God who shed his blood for you, for your deliverance from sins, for your healing of your body. And let's partake together and remember our Lord Jesus Christ and his precious blood shed for us, doing this in remembrance of him. Amen. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for what you have done for us. As I prayed earlier, you demonstrated your love for us. While we were yet sinners, you died for us. 
That isn't that the greatest love, that you would die for your enemies. And Lord, because of that, and because we recognize who Jesus is, because he revealed himself to us, we have become servants of you that will serve you all the days of our life. We might fail you because we're still sinners, but you, your grace and your mercy has saved us. And we praise your holy, holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lewis is going to finish up a couple worship songs and uh, remember to um, get your um, I mean, Bibles out to Matthew chapter 28, verses 6 and 7. Thank you, Pastor Joe. It is done. It is finished. Amen. I
reason. He has reason indeed. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Oh, Lord, haste the day when our faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Oh, what a glorious that day will be. Amen? Amen? Thank you, Jesus. One day when heaven was filled with his praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among men, my example is he. The word became flesh and the light shined among us, his glory revealed, living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far
my sins far away. Rising, He justified, free forever. One day He's coming, oh glorious day, oh glorious day. God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8. Hallelujah. Amen. What a glorious day is right. Next glorious day and we celebrate every day. Praise the Lord. Praise you, Lord. We love you, Lord. What a glorious day that is. And we give you the glory and the praise and the honor. And Lord, may our hearts be open to what you have to say to us today as we, as we partake of the scriptures and eat a meal, Lord God, a full balanced meal from your scripture here this morning. Lord God, we give this day over to you. Father, I pray that the millions or billions that are hearing the word right now will be illuminated like the two on the road to Emmaus where right before their eyes the revelation of who Jesus Christ is would fall upon them and they would do what this message says come and see and go and tell come and see and go and tell that's the whole message of the gospel right in Matthew 28 verse 6 and 7 Lord we want to come to you today even more fuller than we were at the beginning. We want to see and realize the, that you really are alive. You really are risen. We want to go into all the world quickly and preach the gospel, Lord God. And we will see the miracles, the signs that follow men and women who believe in your name. In your name. Your scripture says we will cast out demons. We will speak with new tongues. We could drink deadly poison and it will not hurt us. Lord God, we can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We know, Lord God, that your stripes are for not for just, just uh, emotional healing or mental healing, but it's for physical healing, Lord God. It lines up with other scriptures like Psalm 103, verses 1 and 3 who forgives all our sins, heals all our diseases, and delivers our life from the pit. In Isaiah 54, 17, that by your stripes we're healed. And Peter says, by the stripes we were healed. We are healed, Lord God, and we're going to claim it. So I'm coming against any COVID virus. I'm coming against any infection. I'm coming against any, any uh, flu symptom. I'm coming against anything that can't bow its knee before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We come against it in Jesus' name. We break its power because it has no power. Jesus stripped him at the cross and it is done. Jesus made an open spectacle of him. He shattered his teeth and ripped out his claws and he's nothing but a wagging little worm that has nothing to say. But people fear him. They fear him more than they fear you, the living God. Father God, help us to Focus, get focused right on you, the King of Kings. Today we know it, we realize it, and we speak healing 
physical, mental, and emotional healing to our bodies and our souls and our spirit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. You may be seated. This is the day that we celebrate. Jesus took this here crown of thorns, which is the curse of the earth, and he became king to to those who believe. The red diamond gem, the ruby there, is facing outward because it's the blood of Christ. It's the blood of Christ that heals you. Today, the message is Matthew 6 and 7. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read some many scriptures because I'm going to try to take the scriptures and put put a a sequence of events that happened on Resurrection Sunday. Sequence of events from 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 the scriptures. Uh, what exactly happened? And you know what? I'm probably going to get some of it wrong because the one scripture you know points says something, the other scripture says something, and and it adds to one another. And sometimes we can't get the exact sequence, but 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 I want to make an attempt at it so that we can realize what the the gravity of this day for Mary, the Marys and Salome and Joanna and and the disciples, the gravity of what's really happened. So Matthew chapter 28, I'm going to read up to the seventh verse from chapter verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as they began to to, um, dawn, the first day of the week, which is Sunday now, because Sabbath is Saturday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave, and behold, a severe earthquake had occurred. And an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. The guards shook for fear at him, because they became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. Just as he said, come, see the place where he was lying, and go quickly and tell the disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. It's time for us Christians and even the people that don't know, for don't know the Lord, it's time for you to come and see the tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. And then go and tell the good news that by grace you're saved through Jesus Christ, through Him alone. It's time to tell the world it's such a simple message. And the church feuds with one another over different things. This message is simple. Come and see Jesus is risen. And then go and tell, because you've been illuminated by the Holy Spirit. There's several women that get to this tomb. If you go to Mark, let's read. Let's get. I want you. To, before we go on, I want you to see. Do you realize that these soldiers saw the angels? They became like dead men. They became like dead men. They're in shock. These angels are, are there. They're, they're glowing white. They, they came and they rolled away the stone. 
These, these, these soldiers are in shock, and yet you go, we're going to see them later in this chapter, or as you're going to read, you're going to see that they are bought by the Jewish people, by the Jewish Pharisees and scribes. They saw mighty angels, and they were willing to get a payoff. That's not too intelligent. Here's Mark 16, verses 1 on onward. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome. So look at Matthew tells us it's Mary and, uh, and, and Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of, of James is told us. We get a further description of that woman. It's the mother of James. Now, I, don't, I didn't do a great deal of studying on here, but one of Jesus' half-brothers was James. It could have been Mary, Mother, mother Mary. Okay, but it also tells you that Salome was here. Okay, and they brought spices. Why are they coming? Because they brought spices that they might come and anoint Jesus. Because you remember they rushed him into the grave because it was Passover, and they didn't get to complete his embalming, his his uh, his preparation for for burial. They came that they might anoint him very early on the first day of the week and they came to the tomb when the sun had risen and they were saying to one another, who's going to roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw the stone had been rolled away. It's already rolled away. Although it was exceedingly large, entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right wearing a white robe and they were amazed. And he said to them, do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. Come and see. It's empty. The tomb is empty. But go and tell. See and go and tell the disciples and Peters. He is going ahead of you to Galilee. And there you will see him just as he told you. And they went and then they fled from the tomb for the trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they were, they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. And let's go to Luke. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood before them. That means like they weren't there and all of a sudden they were there. Okay, they finally stood before them. Remember how... Okay, i Got to go back a little verse. And the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. They're bowing before these, these, these angels. The men said to them, Do, why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was with you still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified in the third day and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words, and they returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Now there were they were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James. Now we see Joanna in the picture. There's a bunch of women. They love Jesus with all their heart. They love Jesus with all their heart. And John chapter 20, verse 16. Jesus said to Mary, Oh, um, 
20, verse 16. Now on the first, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone had already been taken away. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And she said and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and they we do not know where they are. They laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth. They went, were going to the tomb. The two were running, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb and saw the linen wrappings lying there and the face cloth which had been at, on his head and not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had come first to the tomb then entered, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scriptures that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. You know, that passage right there in John pretty much tells you that Mary was at the tomb twice. She was there with the ladies, and then one of the Gospels says that when she went and told Peter and John, they ran ahead, and she walked back to the tomb. By the time that she got there, or they, she got there, Peter and John were already gone. And that's when Jesus oh, it appeared to, to Mary at that time, supposing that he was the gardener. Here's these women, several women, they see that the tomb is open. They see angels on this day. Notice that the angels are not women. They don't fly around with wings. There's no mention of wings here. You know, you've got to remember God's kingdom. You know seraphim and cherubim. Cherubim have four wings, and seraphim, I think, have six wings. And they look completely different than a human being. Whether they, whether they come to, uh, when they're, when they come out of heaven into this world, they transform in their in their light in the likeness of men, or whether these are special angels, different designed angels. Because you know, you know, there's many different types of animals, so there could be many different types of angels. Okay, they're shocked. They're in dazzling white. The dazzling white obviously comes that they stand in the presence of the holy and a righteous God. That's where the glorious whiteness comes. That's the way you look in the spirit before God. You, you're the radiance of his glory shows that your spirit is, a, is alive and well and will live forever in the kingdom of the God of heaven. So, so they're, they're trembling, they're amazed. The two, the, even the soldiers are uh, amazed, yet they're willing to, to accept money as a bribe to lie. It just shocks me. I think if somebody would see an angel, they should get down on their knees and not worship the angel, but repent of their sins. They're trembling. They're amazed, says the Scriptures. Peter and John came to the tomb. John believes. John believes, but Peter ponders. He's unsure. He's not sure what's going on here. You know, Mary Magdalene obviously uh, lingers at the tomb. And she's weeping because all the women are gone. Peter and John are gone. She's weeping at the tomb. She looks into the tomb, according to the scriptures, and she sees two angels this time. Okay? And, she, and they're wondering why she's weeping. 
And then Jesus approaches from behind her and says, and Mary, uh, not thinking that it was the Lord, she thought he was the gardener, because, you know, gardeners work early in the morning. You know that. Jesus then calls her by name. He calls her by name. And, and it's an important figure, a figure, an important thing. That's point number one as we go through the Scriptures. Jesus is calling you over the Internet and those here that don't know him today. He's calling you by name right now. He knows your name. He knows all about you. He knows what's in your heart. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's right with you. Jesus is calling you right now. So if you're at home in your, home in your seat and you're shuddering right now, that's the Holy Spirit saying, have the courage and say yes. Jesus is calling you by your name. Listen, if the President of the United States would call you up and say, can you work for me, you'd probably jump on the next aircraft to Washington, D.C., even if you don't like the guy. But God is calling you. Get the perspective here. God is calling you. Almighty God, the creator of the universe. Al Shaddai. She looks into the tomb, sees these two angels. Jesus is outside. She didn't recognize him until he spoke her name. Listen, he's speaking your name right now. Recognize him. She recognizes his voice. She turns and sees him. She's filled with joy, inexpressible. She loved Jesus. You remember, she was the woman that Jesus cast seven demons out of. Seven demons. You, can you imagine what seven demons can do to a person? They can really mess you up. She was, she was full of joy, inexpressible, because she was delivered from demons. She clings to him. Jesus says, don't. Don't oh, stop clinging to me. I haven't ascended to the Father. You know, when I first read that, I thought, well, Jesus is so holy, you can't be defiled by men. No, she was so happy to see Jesus. She said, I ain't never letting you go again. You're with me forever. But Jesus said, listen, Mary, I've got to ascend to the Father. You know, please let go of me. Listen, and that's the way us Christians are today. Once you find Jesus, you don't want to let go. A good friend of mine said his dad used to always say this, come to Jesus and you'll never go wrong. Never go wrong. I know 43 plus years ago, I came to Jesus and I tell you what, I never went wrong. I thank him every day for that day. So, Jesus is calling you by name now. Respond. Gather up your courage and come to Jesus right now. It's Resurrection Sunday. You could also say to your friends and relatives, once they see the change in you, I, I was resurrected myself on Resurrection Sunday when Jesus was resurrected. Not that particular day, but the anniversary of that day. A lot of people have come to Jesus on Resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday. That same day, He appears again. Now there's the first appearance. You just see it to Mary. Then the same day, you know, um, the second appearance happens to the other women. Some other women leave the apostles to go home. They're on their way home, and Jesus appears to these other women, according to Matthew 8, 28, 8 and 9, or 9 and 10, saying, here's what he says to them in different versions. One version says, all hail. That's what Jesus says. Or uh, how about this one? 
Fear not. That's another version. Another version. Do not be afraid. He shocked them. He shocked them. He's alive. They went to embalm a dead man, but he's alive. Then he sends them back to the apostles to go to Galilee. And, and he, says she, he says that they'll see me there. That's the second appearance. Listen, if you're at home right now and you know Jesus is calling your name, you're to fear not. You're to fear not. What do you have to fear? The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, your maker is calling you. What's there to be afraid of? Don't be afraid. Fear not. And these women left, and they feared not. They came, and they saw, and they go, and they're telling the disciples that Jesus is alive. The third appearance comes on the road to Emmaus, which I read in the communion. These two disciples are heading to Emmaus. It's a seven-mile journey. They ponder the things that happened over, over this day, you know, two days, three days before that Jesus was crucified. They were the ones, they, they, the Jews were hoping he would deliver them from Israel or from, from Rome. And he did deliver them. He delivered them from their sins. They're kind of looking on a low perspective. You want to be delivered from your, your uh, uh, raunchy master? Or do you want to be delivered from your sins that will send you to a place called prepared for the devil and his angels? So he acts like he don't know what's going on. He says, what things are you talking about? And they said, well, don't you know? Are you the only one in, in Israel that does, doesn't know this? Jesus, the mighty prophet, mighty indeed, having... Hoping that we were hoping that he would redeem us, you know he he uh, you know he healed the sick, he cleansed the lepers, he fed the five thousand, he he raised people from the dead, blind saw, the deaf hear, the mute spoke, and and he was crucified. And you saw the results. He acted like he was going to go on as he was seven miles. How would you like to walk with Jesus for seven miles and just have him explain the scriptures to you? Wow. You know what? You can do that. You have the Holy Spirit in you. So ask him to open up the scriptures. We're going to see later on when he appeared to the disciples, he opened the scriptures so they can understand. Here in this passage, he opened their eyes to see that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. If you, if you out there, you know, if, since Jesus is calling by you by name, if you're not afraid, your eyes will be open too. Your eyes will be open. And here he is. He's breaking the bread because they, they coaxed him to stay with him. He breaks the bread and he blesses it and their eyes are suddenly opened and they, say, they see Jesus and boom, he's gone. Just like that, just before their eyes. Their eyes are open. They said to themselves, I'm sure, He is risen indeed. And I'll tell you what. They said, wasn't our hearts burning within us? Listen, when you talk to God in all sincerity, you might be praying and God, your heart's burning inside you. 
while, while the last worship song was on, uh, Via Della Rosa, my, my heart was worshiping the Lord over here. The Lord is risen indeed, and they found out that he was. Instead of walking a dismal, slow walk of, of, of being upset that Jesus was crucified, I'm going to tell you what, that seven miles, they probably ran back to Jerusalem. Given give extra strength by the Holy Spirit, just like, like Elisha could outrun Ahab's chariot. And they went to Jerusalem, and they walked into the room, and they said, He's alive! He's really alive! That's something that we need to know today. All those online, Jesus is alive. He's really alive. Go to Jerusalem. They'll show you his tomb. It's empty. It's empty. And it will always be empty because he's alive and he's well. Never to die again. So their eyes are open. Mary's eyes are opened when he speaks her name. Their eyes are open as he, they remember how he broke and blessed the bread. So that was the third appearance, the two on the road to Emmaus. And you know what? If you come to Jesus because he's calling you by name and you're not afraid and your eyes will be open, you can have supper with him too. And I'll explain that a little further as we go. Here's the fourth appearance. Peter, it's in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 5. We know that Peter saw Jesus. We don't know exactly how it happened. But we know that Peter saw Jesus because in 1 Corinthians 15.5, as Paul's writing, he tells us that, that, that Jesus appeared to Peter and to him. He was unlikely born. He's alive. If the scriptures are telling you these appearances of Jesus tells you that he's alive. I remember, you know, Peter, he's probably struck in with guilt and anguish Okay? Because everything that he promised Jesus, he just added to his shame. You know, because he promised he wouldn't deny him, but he did deny him. He denied him. Peter probably thought, even if I did, even if Jesus is alive, it isn't going to be the same because he because I denied him three times. Three times I denied him. Just Imagine, it might have happened like this. He's in his home. He's sitting in a room, gloating and crying. And here, all of a sudden, he smells this beautiful aroma in the room. And he opens up his eyes, and there stands Jesus before him. And he holds his arms open wide and says, Come, Peter, come and see. And then go and tell that Jesus is risen. Here it is. Since Jesus is calling you by name, since you're not afraid and you're going to have courage to respond, and since your eyes are now open to the, to the revelation that Jesus Christ is the Lord, like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, don't deny his holy name. Don't deny it. Today is the day of salvation. Jesus said, hey, on those days that you called upon me, I answered you. He says, now... Behold, today's the day of your salvation. Come to me just like you are. Don't deny his holy name now that you know who he is. If you do, you are trampling over the precious blood that brings healing to you, that brings deliverance to you from your sins. 
the precious blood that Jesus shed, the, the precious blood of God Almighty Himself. The fifth appearance. The apostles are gathered into one place in Luke chapter 24, verse 36 through 48. Thomas is absent. Everything's locked tight. Jesus stood right in their midst. They're locked down. The bars are, the, the doors and windows are bars. Barred, and here, here he is. He just stands in their midst. And he goes and says this, Peace be unto you. Why are you troubled? Do you... Do doubts arise in you? Then he showed him his hands and his feet. He said, handle me and see if I'm not flesh and bone. Notice there's a little difference there. I'm not flesh and blood anymore. I'm flesh and bone. Flesh and bone. That's a whole study in itself. He showed them his hands and his feet. And then it says in that passage in Luke 24 that they still do not believe for the joy. It's kind of like you're so happy you, you say something like this. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. That's where they were. I can't believe it. There's Jesus. They had some doubt. Listen, you can believe you can be healed. You believe you're delivered from your sins. You believe you're going to heaven, but you can't believe you're healed? What is this? You're supposed to have all faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you think that you don't have, you can't get physical healing by the blood and the stripes of Jesus, then I'm going to tell you something right now. You'll never be healed because it takes faith to believe in it. I said, quoted yesterday, Psalm 78, verse 43 says, again and again, the Israelites, you know, tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel while they were in the desert. They limited Him. And Hebrews 4.2 says the same gospel was preached to us as was to them, but it did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith. You have to have faith. If you're telling me right now that you, by the blood of Jesus, by the stripes on Jesus' back, you can't be healed, you will never be healed because you don't believe. And that's the primary subject, uh, the point to, to have a healing. That's not the only one. You gotta have. You gotta forgive your friends. You gotta confess your sins. You gotta treat your spouse with uh, with kindness and love, and a whole bunch of other things. So it's not just all faith. So I'm not saying you don't. You know you don't have faith. I'm telling you, you need to gather faith. You need to forgive. You need to confess sin. You need to repent. You need to do all of that. Everything is locked down tight. Here's Jesus standing in the midst. They, they can't believe it for the joy that's in their heart. And they were marveling. And Jesus says this, have you any food? You know what? Jesus didn't stop eating or anything. He wanted us to know. He wanted us to know that when we are transformed into our bodies of flesh and bone, we will still be able to eat. So he asked them, listen, I'm not a spirit. I'm going to eat flesh with you. And they gave him some broiled fish and honeycomb. And then he told them, he says, don't you understand all the things the prophet said had to be fulfilled. It had to be fulfilled. Here's some reasons why Jesus came. Number one, the scriptures had to be fulfilled. Number two, he came to abolish the power of the Mosaic law over men. 
The Mosaic laws is is obsolete compared to the New Testament. Then we can he came to destroy the power of Satan. You know, even in a place like this, a godly place where this is God's sanctuary, you know, the devil loves to be there. This morning while we were worshiping, I was casting out demons sitting right there in that chair because I felt something evil come upon me real quickly and slightly. And I said, oh, no, you don't, devil. I'm a child of the Most High God. My weapons are not carnal. They're mighty through God. I'm pulling down your strongholds. He came to a... to, to, to destroy the power of Satan. And we know that he did that. Colossians, as I quoted in my prayer, said he made an open spectacle of him through the cross and he triumphed over him. And basically, as I said in the prayer, he ripped out his teeth and smashed his claws. Actually, I said vice versa, that he smashed, shattered his teeth and ripped out his claws. He's a, he's a foe that, that has no power. Jesus stripped him of it, but you have to know it. You have to know it. You have to take the authority that he has given you. And number four, he came to restore man's relationship with God. This is what Jesus is trying to tell them. All things in the law and the prophet had to be fulfilled. He came to reconcile the Jew and the Gentile. We are now one. You can read that in in, uh, Ephesians 2. I think it's Galatians 2. He came to make the two one. And we are today. I have a lot of Jewish friends that, that I knew. Uh, some of them are with the Lord now, but they, they were my brother because they believed in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, and God reconciled men and Jew. Remember, the 12 disciples were all Jewish. Christianity started from Jews to the Jews first and then the Gentiles. They came to demonstrate the, the overwhelming love of God that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isaiah 51 says, Behold, I have taken out of of thine hand the cup of trembling, even the dregs of the cup of fury. Thou shalt no more drink again. He took the wrath of our sin on himself. These things had to be fulfilled. That's what he was telling them. Telling them. The prophets were saying that. They had to be fulfilled. And he did it at the cross. Through his death, he overcame death says the one lyrics to the songs that we know. And then in this fifth appearance, while they're in that room, it says there in that passage of Luke 24, 36 through 48, it says, he opened their understanding to that they might comprehend the scriptures. You out there on the, on the internet, here's what you got to do. You got to know that Jesus is calling your name. You got to be not afraid to receive him. You have to, your eyes have been opened. Don't deny his holy name. And you have to receive his Holy Spirit because he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scripture because he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. You know, their comprehension was open. Their understanding was open to the scriptures, but they had no power yet. That's going to come at the Pentecost, at the uh, pouring out of the Holy Spirit, at the baptism, which is going to come. So you need to receive the Holy Spirit. Let him blow on you. You know, when Jesus blows, the scriptures talk about, about uh, breath being the, the, the spirit. It's a spirit. He breathed on them the spirit of God. And they became really born again at that point. They actually believed. 
They were so full of joy that they were saying, I can't believe it. It's Jesus. He's alive. He's well. Look at his hands and his feet. He's even eating with us like he always did. And then he opens their understanding. He blows on them and the blowing on him, the, the breath of God is the Holy Spirit. And he received the Holy Spirit. So you out there that don't know Jesus and you've just came to him, you need to receive the Holy Spirit. Let him blow the breath of life on you and you will be born again. For that which is born of flesh is flesh and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Then the sixth appearance, eight days later, namely, really, Sunday. Sunday, this is the first day of the week, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, eighth day, Sunday again. It's Sunday again, okay? And then the apostles are gathered in the room again, probably the same room, okay? And Thomas is present this time. Thomas is present. This is Resurrection Sunday towards evening. Here... Thomas, Thomas said in the last meeting that we just read about, he actually said, uh, unless I stick my fingers into his hands and my finger into the wound in his side, I will not believe. So here's Jesus again. The gates and the doors are barred. All of a sudden, Jesus appears in a room. He comes right up to Thomas, and he says, Thomas, put your finger into my side. Put your finger into my nail hole, my holes in my hands. And be not unbelieving, but believing. And then, what did Thomas do? I don't think he even put his fingers in Jesus' wounds. I believe he fell on his face. And here's what he said in the 28th verse of John 20. My Lord and my God. And for those of you out there that have Jesus called your name and you're not afraid to accept him, your eyes have been opened, you don't deny his holy name, you receive the Holy Spirit, you need to bow your knee before him because every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is it. No one else is worthy of glory. Isaiah 43.11 or 43.8 says, I'll give my glory to nobody. Nobody's going to get his glory. I think it's 48.11 too. 43.8 Isaiah and 43.11. I will share my glory with nobody. That's why Satan was thrown out of heaven. He tried to steal God's glory. So God threw him out of heaven. That's it. So you need to bow your knee. And here's what you need to say. My Lord and my God, forgive me of my sins. I'm coming home. Like the prodigal son that I was, I'm coming home to you, the loving father. So Thomas right here, he's confessing that Jesus is the Lord. That's the sixth appearance. The seventh appearance. Jesus is making the disciples breakfast on the Sea of Galilee. He's standing on the shore. They're out there fishing. He yells out to them, you have any fish? They said no. He said, toss your nets on the right side of the boat and you will find a big catch. So they have no idea who this guy is on the shore. But they just, they were fishing all night. They figured, what, one more try? I remember when I go fishing, I go, one more cast in that area. One more cast. Maybe that fish will hit it this time. Well, that's what they did. They said, hey, 
Let's throw it. They throw the net overboard on the right side. They get this big catch of 153 large fish. Listen, I always wonder what the significance of that verse is. You know, 153 uh, fish, large fish. So, you know, the only significance I know, I had a boat in Pittsburgh. I used to take my kids fishing, and I named the boat Charter 153. I hand painted on it. I still don't know what the what the significance of 153 is. Why were they counted? Did they count the 153? Obviously, but for what reason? And even that, with with that big of a catch of large fish, their nets weren't even broken. That tells you that this was an enormous catch that can break all their nets, and it was they what they couldn't. And the nets didn't break. That's a miraculous thing. It's kind of like you praying that your car will start. You know, it'll start if you pray. God wants to know these little things. If you can't believe that God will allow your battery to have one more juice to start your car, why do you think He'll believe you? He'll believe you if you ask Him to take away your headache. You got to start with the little things. He said, "Pray about everything." I hear. Christians fight over, should I pray for a parking spot? Why not? You're supposed to pray about everything. Huh? I've done it, and I've received. And I've done it, and I didn't receive. The point is, pray about everything. That's what the Scriptures say. (coughs) There were so many fish that there was another boat, obvious, with the other disciples in it, and they pulled, they helped pull at the shore. And Jesus is making them breakfast. Here's a servant leader for you. He's making them breakfast. And he says to them, bring more fish. Some of them he must have created right there. And some of them he actually took from the sea, but the disciples um, caught. This is the third time that Jesus appears to the group of disciples, and they didn't recognize him. That tells you something, you know, and you know that that our appearance is going to change. So what does he do? Okay, he grabs Peter. Peter is being going to be restored to fellowship with the Lord right here and commissioned to go. Come, says the angels, and see. The tomb is empty, says the angels. Go and tell. And Peter is going to be commissioned now to go and to preach the gospel, to go tell the gospel to all land. And he's had, they're having breakfast with Jesus. And what this tells me right here, Jesus said this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. So listen, all you out there that don't know Jesus or on your on the pathway to knowing Jesus right now because he called you by name, because you're not afraid, you're a courageous soldier of Christ. Your eyes are open. You don't deny his holy name. You will re- you receive the holy you who will receive the holy spirit and you bowed your knee before Jesus. He says to me, "I'm standing at the door of your heart and I am knocking." Open up and let me in, and I'll come in and I'll eat with you. I'll sup with you, just like he did with the disciples here. 
he was knocking on all their doors in case some of those other disciples out there that were followers of Jesus, not one of the 11, but some of the others might have been doubting. He sups with them and tells them. That's the, that's the seventh appearance before, before the disciples. And the third appearance, he showed himself to the, the 11 disciples. Then the eighth appearance is this. For recorded in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 8, it says, He appeared to 500 at one time. That means there was a group of people. He didn't just go from door to door. There was a group of people, and he appeared before them at one time. 500 people. Obviously, the disciples were there. And Paul tells us in that passage in Corinthians that most of them are alive today when he was writing Corinthians. Some of them have passed on. But he, he was saying, you know, they're still alive. They're still alive. They're a testimony to the world that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. So we're supposed to come and see, go and tell the gospel that Jesus is written, risen from the dead. And he did, says there in that passage that Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. And John tells us, you know, he supposes the last verses of his gospel, verse chapter 21, he says, I suppose if everything would be written about what Jesus did, the world itself could not contain the volumes of it. And you say there's no Jesus Christ is not Lord? How many volumes do you know about, about King Edward or, or uh, King David? It can't compare. Or President Trump. Listen, the volumes that could be written about Jesus, everything that he did, he walked the earth for at least three and a half years, and he healed everyone that came to him. He didn't say, oh, no, I don't feel like healing you. you know, No, no, he healed them all. So for you out there, you need to understand that he's alive and well. He's not dead. He's not dead, and he will save you from your sin. Because Paul tells us in that passage in 1 Corinthians, I love the way he puts it. I think it's verse 3. He says this, I have a message of first importance. Listen, People out there, people in here, this is a message of first importance. Jesus Christ came. He died. He was buried. And He is risen the third day according to the Scripture. This is the message of first importance. This is the message that should go to all the world. Come and see, go and tell. But the Christians today, we go to Burger King instead of going to tell people. And that's a shame. And I'm as guilty as you are. It's a terrible shame. I would love to have that fire and brimstone on me again. That fire of the Holy Spirit that came at my Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit fell upon me. The Greek word epi, which means He came upon. He saturated me. No longer did He just blow on me. He saturated me. And that's what the disciples were missing in the upper room. Jesus blew on them, and they received the Holy Spirit, and they, they 
they had the Spirit and they were born again, but they had no power until Pentecost, 50 days later, when the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they were saturated like a sponge with water and they went and preached the gospel in different languages to thousands and millions of people that would have been in Jerusalem for Passover. Unbelievable. He, Jesus Christ, is Lord. This is a message of first importance. And we, the church of God, need to go out there and tell this story to everybody. Those of you that just came to Jesus over the Internet, and I'm believing you are. Some people have come. This is a message of first importance. You need to tell your mother, your father, your sisters, your brothers, your children, your neighbors, and even your enemies that Jesus Christ is alive and well. And they need to repent and come to Jesus just like you did. And if you did that today, and we're not done with this message, but if you did that, you go to Joe at Freedom Church PB, stands for palmbeach.org. Joe at Freedom Church PB.org, and you send me uh, a message that says, You received Jesus Christ of your sin, uh, today as your Savior, and you repented of your sins, and you received the Holy Spirit. Because I know there's people out there that are going to get saved, either today or anybody that listens down the road to this message. Because Jesus is alive and well. The ninth appearance, he appears to James in that same passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. He, he appears to James. And Paul says, he, Paul says, and in, 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 in me, unlikely, timely, unlikely born, he appeared to me. He appeared to James after he was seen by James. Then he appeared to all the apostles again the fourth time. You tell me Jesus ain't alive. He's alive and well, believe me. And he's here right now because I normally don't preach like this. Listen, he's alive and well. James saw him. 500 saw him. Paul saw him. All the disciples follow him. Mary, Magdalene, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Salome, and Joanna, they all saw him. Not only that, they saw angels. Man, if I saw an angel, I think it would deepen my faith. I mean, one that was glowing with God's glory all over him. It would enhance my faith. I can guarantee you that. Listen, you can see Jesus too. because I mean, you can see God too because Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. He's the exact representation of God's nature. And Jesus upholds all things by the words of his power. Listen. James saw him too. Jesus is alive and well. So guess what James did? He went, he, he uh, came, he saw, he went, and he told the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a tenth appearance. It's the Great Commission. As I always say, it's commission. C-O dash mission. It's God and you are co you know, are united together to the commission to go out and tell the world that Jesus Christ is alive and well, to make disciples. He's he's giving them the great commission. He appears to the eleven as they sat at the table. He rebuked them for their unbelief. And this is in Mark sixteen fourteen and Matthew twenty eight sixteen. He tells them to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized 
shall be saved, but who does not believe shall be condemned. And it tells us there in Matthew 28, 16, it says this, all, you know, tells us they all worshipped him, but some doubted. There's always a doubter in every crowd. But they all worshipped, the eleven worshipped him, but some doubted. Obviously, there were other people there. Verses 18 and 20 said, where Jesus said, All authority has been given to me. Come, see, go, and tell. All authority has been given to Jesus. And we're to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, knowing that He is with us always, even to the end of the age. So our job is, come today, Resurrection Sunday, see Jesus is alive. Come and see, the tomb is empty. And then go and tell the gospel, because we have been commissioned to go and tell the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're told to go quickly. This was written almost 2,000 years ago. We're to go quickly. The church is struggling right now in the world today. They're struggling. Nobody even wants to go to church. They're afraid of sickness and disease. It's a, it's a shame. It's a shame. As I said a couple of times, the bars are packed. Does alcohol kill COVID? Or does the power of the Word of God kill COVID? Or any other thing that we have? Or might be the devil tries to throw on you. Here it is, the 11th appearance, the last appearance that is written in the Scriptures. After 40 days of several appearances, the final instructions are given. He says, stay in Jerusalem and wait for the promised Holy Spirit from the Father. And then he was taken up in heaven. He was taken up into the heaven, Acts 1.9, in a cloud. And he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Again, the Greek word epi, the Greek word preposition epi, saturated. Are you saturated with the Lord? Are you just, you know, does he just possess one little closet in your heart? Are you saturated with the Holy Spirit? If you aren't, you need to be. Because that's why the church is weak today in the world. We aren't saturated with the Holy Spirit. We got one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. And Jesus said to one of the churches in Revelation, one of the seven churches, he said, I would prefer you to be hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, you got one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom. He said, I will vomit you out. Now that's with force. Vomit is forced out. He's going to force you out. Listen, it's time to repent. It's time to call upon the Holy Spirit to fall on you, and you can have your own personal Pentecost, like Cornelius and his family did, like the Gentiles did, like Paul did, like I did. You can have your own personal Pentecost. The Lord is really risen, church. He's here right now, and I can feel him. He's here right now.
So for you out there, I hope you, over the internet, I hope you feel him because he's omnipresent. I want to tell you, you better get to church. Come and see and hear that the tomb is empty. And then you can go and tell as the church equips you to go out and reach your families and your friends, your neighbors, and even your enemies with, to, to Christ. The angels are proclaiming, come and see, and Jesus says, go and tell. Once you come to Jesus, you go and you see that he is risen. Believe me, you will want to obey Jesus and go and tell the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as I said on Thursday, it's called the gospel, which means good news. And one preacher that I know and and love, he said, it's too good to be true news. It's so good, you can't even believe it. Like they saw Jesus standing in front of them and they said, I can't believe it. I've said that a thousand times. I can't believe it. He was healed when somebody prayed over him. Wow, praise God. Come and see now. Go and tell. He's alive and you're forgiven. Heaven's heaven's gates are open wide. Heaven's gates are open wide because Jesus opened them. Come and see and then go and tell. For those of you that are out there, you need to pray this prayer after me. And don't be afraid. If you're shaking in your boots, it's the Holy Spirit. And he he doesn't want you to say no. He wants you to say yes. So repeat after me. Say, Father God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe he's the Holy One of Israel. I believe he was pure and clean and without sin. I believe that he paid for my sins on the cross. I believe what he said. If I live, you can live also. So I repent of my sin. I turn away from it. I bow my knee before Jesus Christ. And I say, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of you, Father. Give me your Holy Spirit in all fullness. Baptize me not just with water, but with the Holy Spirit and fire so that I can take this message to a lost and dying world where time is running out. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for loving me so much. I give myself to you today. In the name of your son Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. I hope you got the message. Jesus is alive. Amen. God bless. Love you all. Tune in on Thursday, 7.15 and Sunday at 10. God bless you.